Hey, and welcome to the Motherhood Simplified Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Lockwood. And if you ever look around your house and wonder where the heck did all this stuff come from and how am I ever going to get it out, you are in the right place. I'm a mom of five who decluttered her home back in 2013 when my family and I decided to move from Alaska to Florida with one suitcase each. And I do not recommend it. What I do recommend is learning how to declutter without becoming a full-blown minimalist which means learning to find the balance of what your family needs and wants without it being so much that it overwhelms you on a daily basis. So if that sounds good to you, you are going to love this podcast. Let's dive into the episode. If you have been trying to declutter your house, and not been as successful as you like, I am willing to bet that I can help you figure out exactly why. There are a lot of reasons that moms feel like they can't declutter, declutter, whether it's their kids or their spouse or the time or the energy or just simply not knowing what to do, where to take things, how to donate, right? How to do it mindfully, how to not be wasteful. Uh, Plus you're worried about like, what if I need it? You know, I wasted so much money on this. What if I need it again and I can't get it? There is so much that goes into decluttering as a mom. And I promise that if you have thought it or felt it, I have heard it before or experienced it myself. And that is exactly why I created this training called how to create your mom proof decluttering plan. And I've done a lot of decluttering checklists, challenges, courses, programs in the past, and they work. And this training really is the framework for every single thing that moms need to consider when it comes to decluttering their home. It's the plan. We're actually going to build your plan together. It's following through with your plan and it's including your family and even learning how to make this process as enjoyable as possible. Because most people feel like The task is daunting or just another thing on their to-do list. And I don't want it to feel like that for you. So this free training, how to create your mom-proof decluttering plan, you can go to motherhoodsimplified.com forward slash DIY to get it. Or you can just check the show notes of this episode and you will find it. Come get it. I know there is so much information about there. A lot of it is much the same. Five steps to declutter your house, you know? Here's the checklist to declutter this area of your house, but none of them really show you the full scope of what goes into doing this start to finish. And that's exactly what's in this training. So go check it out, motherhoodsimplified.com forward slash DIY, or check the description of this episode to go get it today. Hi, everybody. Welcome to today's episode. I'm here with Stephanie. She hosts the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast. And I'm super excited to talk to her because she has really good insight on two topics that come up in the Motherhood Simplified community a lot that I've talked about before, but I've never really had a chance to talk to another you know, expert in this arena. So hello, <coughs> Stephanie, and welcome. That's okay. Welcome. <laughs> um, we're going to talk about generational clutter today and zero waste, but first, can you just introduce yourself? and let us know what it is you do and about your podcast. Yes. I'm going to cough first. Yeah. One second. Take some time. Yeah. <coughs> okay. <laughs> well, Krista, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be on. You did a great introduction. My name is Stephanie. I host 
Sustainable Minimalist. It's a twice-weekly podcast about intentional and eco-minimalist living. So we talk about decluttering, but we do it through um, an eco-friendly lens. So don't just sho- not just shoving all your stuff in the trash can. Like, how can we extend the lives of stuff? How can we take home less stuff to begin with? Those are really the themes that I discuss on Sustainable Minimalists. And you asked another question there, but I forgot what it was. <laughs> um, yeah, just about you and and your podcast. I really wanted to be oh, able yeah. to send people to your podcast because one thing that comes up a lot that people ask me about is is being less wasteful and decluttering in an eco-friendly way and in a sustainable way. And while I have decluttered my own stuff and I do feel like I have a good grip on my own, you know, consumerism <laughs> life, um, I'm not perfect by any means. It's just kind of hard for me to get into the space where I feel like I could move into like zero waste. It's a little bit intimidating for me, um, but I know that you're really good at it and you have really great <laughs> advice and like baby steps that people can take towards living more sustainably, which is so important. Um, so thank you for that. Well, again, thank you for having me. I feel like I should tell everybody a little bit more about me. I yes. didn't. I gave like the podcast side, but I'm a mother of two daughters. We live in New England. We live just outside of Boston, and I didn't find myself at all of a minimalist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, minimalism was just some some buzzword to me until I had my first daughter, and you know, I've found myself very quickly overwhelmed by all of her stuff, all of her gear, all of her clothes, hundreds of frilly dresses. Why does any infant girl need a hundred frilly dresses? I don't know, but mine had them. Um, And all of my free time, I didn't have much free time, but it was just spent organizing, maintaining, cleaning, managing the stuff. And I thought to myself, oh my gosh, I need minimalism. Mm-hmm. <laughs> minimalism is the solution for me. But again, you know, just wanton throwing stuff out wasn't wasn't my personal solution. And so for me, sustainable minimalism, the name of my podcast, is, you know, living with less, but doing so in a way that we're not just being ridiculously wasteful. And so th- those are the that's what I try and talk about twice a week. (laughs) I love it. Okay. So based on that, I know when we talked before the episode, we were going to talk about the other topic first, but we should just get right into this. I think (laughs) Um, I have a question for you in regards to, you know, you say that you, your daughter had like all the frilly dresses, right? Like all the things. And I did the same thing because I had a daughter first and it was like the most fun thing ever to, even if I was going to thrift stores, just buy all this stuff for her and like have all of these things and make it really cute. And my consumption habits were honestly, they were just like out of control. Like I was not the one making the choices on like what I was going to consume and how much and where my money was going and, and what kinds of businesses I was supporting or, you know, what kind of values I was supporting. Because when you're buying things from certain businesses, you're supporting their values. Um, So when it comes to minimalism, can you share a little bit about how your consumption habits have changed as far as like what you're actually bringing in? And then I have a part two question after you answer that. (laughs) So yes, I'm going to answer that. But I should just say that minimalism, eco-friendly living, zero waste living, all those buzzwords, they're really darn hard with children. So for anybody who's listening and is struggling 
know that there's no magic pill. It's hard for me. It's hard for everybody who's trying to live more intentionally in 2022 amidst um, a culture that glorifies overconsumption. So I just want to say that first and foremost. I to answer your question though, you asked, you know, how do I deal with the purchasing and the children? Buying is now always my last resort. So I used to be the person who would just walk around the mall and let the mannequins tell me what my daughters or what I needed or, you know, I I I thought that the solution to my unease was in a thing. Like if I just brought this thing into my home, I'd solve this problem. But now I realize that the app, the opposite is all the opposite is actually true. Like if I can not bring something else into my house, I'm preventing a future problem. So if I need something, I'm not going to the mall. I'm trying my darndest not to go to Amazon. And that's not to say I don't use Amazon, but it's to say that's my last resort. How else can I acquire something? without purchasing new? Can I borrow? Can I get from a buy nothing group? Can I purchase secondhand? I'm always going through, can I do without? (laughs) Can I do without? Usually the answer is yes. Um, Those are all, you know, my first, my go-to avenues now. Whereas before it was, let's just swipe and purchase and have it at my door in two days. Mm -hmm. I'm trying really hard not to do that anymore. Yeah, I hope that answers your question. <laughs> yes, it does. That was really good. And that actually, the way that you said it is really good too, is that making a purchase is your last resort, right? Which to me feels really empowering as a parent because there are so many other options than to just <laughs> get on Amazon, right? Because I try to use Amazon as little as possible. And sometimes as a mom of five, especially living through a pandemic, it was the convenience was worth it. But it is my last resort. And I love that because it does it it feels expansive to me. It feels like it gives you the power and it reminds you that you have other options. It and one of the options can simply be I just don't need it, which to be honest for me most of the time is the answer. Most of the time I really don't need it. We don't need it. <laughs> so we don't get it. Um and I loved what you said that you ask yourself is this creating a future? I don't know if you said it exactly this way. That's how I wrote it down, but is this creating a future problem? right? Is this something that I'm going to get and then it's going to sit in piles and be frustrating to me is how I interpreted it, you know, especially when it comes to like cheap little toys for my kids. Like, am I going to buy this and regret it? (laughs) Do you have any other examples of what that might be? Yes, I can give you so many examples, but I just want to swing back around and say that I think for a lot of us in 2022, where we're all buying all the time, we forget that when we bring something into our homes, we are then responsible for it on the back end. So what are we going to do with this thing? We're talking about, you know, seasons of life. We might need these snow pants right now. I think you live in Florida, so that might not work for you, but I live in New England and we need snow pants. Like, what am I going to do with these snow pants once we no longer need them. That is mental load. That is stress. That is anxiety for a head of a household like I am, right? So so thinking on the other end of how am I going to responsibly unload of these snow pants? Like, is it even worth the hassle of buying new ones? Or can I just borrow from my neighbor and give them back at the end of at the end of the snow season? 
So you asked for examples, I believe, of of remind me <laughs> um just things that we might purchase that end up becoming like things that we don't need or want I would say or... yeah I would say you every single thing <laughs> yeah but every single thing is something that we probably need right now in the moment and in maybe a week maybe in 3 months maybe in 3 years the season of life has changed and we don't need it anymore amazon wants us to think that the only solution lies in a purchase. But I try to live my life in a way, and I suggest perhaps we all try and live our live our lives in a way in which Amazon is just one of many solutions. Uh, purchasing, purchasing has consequences for heads of households, but it also has consequences for our planet. And so that's why I believe it should be the last resort. Yeah. And I don't know if you know about this or, or if you have insight on this either, but I did also find, I have a friend who has an Amazon business and it's her product that she created. And she's like, you, if you go to Amazon, like try to find people who are actual small business owners and not just purchasing through the Amazon warehouse, right? If you can do that, it's one you know, it's a better way to use things like Amazon too. Um, but so there's, there are just so many options. There are so many options. Okay. <laughs> so when it comes to like living with less, I told you a little bit before we started recording, like for me as a parent, it feels almost overwhelming to like de- see all of these buzzwords, like zero waste, um, even minimalism, <laughs> minimalism, zero waste, being eco-friendly. It, it feels to me just sometimes like a little bit out of reach. And I know that's not true. I know it's not true because I've I've made a lot of changes personally. But do you have recommendations of just like simple ways to start and shift our mindset from thinking that it has to be complicated or difficult and can actually be really freeing for us? Yes. So I just want to start by saying that like, let's take the term zero waste, for example. Zero waste sounds very black or white, very either you're doing it or you're not doing it at all. There's no gray area. And I would push back against that. And I would say that, yes, we as mothers are overwhelmed and stressed out, and we don't think we can add another thing onto our plate. Uh, But the But the reality is, is that when we add some sort of like (laughs) minimalist or buying less or environmentally friendly action onto our plate, it's never as hard as our doom and gloom notions (laughs) lead us to believe. It's actually way easier than we could ever imagine. Some things are really hard. I, I will say that some things like, I don't know. I don't know. Let's pick something. Let's pick composting. Like composting can be very scary to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So I don't suggest you start with composting. I don't suggest you start with um, growing all your own food. I right. suggest you start really darn small. And maybe really darn small for you is uh, bringing bags to the supermarket instead of using plastic ones. And if that's you, then I say you bring your own bags and you kill it and you do your best darned 
possible, you live your best possible life with those (laughs) reusable bags and you feel good about yourself because you're making a change for the better. Now, now the, the kicker is once you master that, once you bring your bags reliably nine times out of 10 to the supermarket, once you have like added on a slight lifestyle tweak and it, it fits, it's not too hard, it's just embedded in your routine, then the trick is adding on another. So what's the next one going to be? Is it going to be being bold and bringing your cup to you know, Starbucks or wherever your coffee place is of choice and you hand it over and you don't feel embarrassed and you don't take home that styrofoam one. So it's all about like starting really small, mastering that, and then like taking one little baby toe step towards the next thing. We're not going to do all the things all the times. We're moms. We're busy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Those are, that's such a good idea. And actually it's been like two weeks of me going grocery shopping and being like, I should really get some bags. Cause we, we used to live in California where you had to bring your own bags. Um, and then when we left California, I got out of that habit cause it's, it's so convenient. And so you've pushed me, you've pushed me <laughs> to get my bags. It's such a simple thing. But the other thing that I wanted to share about that is that when I in California, when we had to use our own reusable bags, I actually bought less groceries that would end up being wasted because I would only keep what fe- what I could pack in the bags, which some people argue is more wasteful because I have to go to the grocery store more often. But to me, I would rather do that than to waste the food, which is what I used to do. You know, I'd buy so much food because I could, because it was there, it was available and why not, right? I'll save it and we'll eat it eventually because we're a large family. But um, even buying in smaller quantities, I think, can be a part of someone's path to you know, consuming less or being not necessarily zero waste, so strict and literal, but less wasteful. Um, so the bags. And then I saw on your blog, too, that you talked about like towels. Can you share? Do you use like you use reusable towels, right? Do you use them for everything? Towels like bath towels? What are we talking? Like hand towels, like like cleaning, like instead of paper towels. Oh yeah, yeah. No, we don't buy. (laughs) I know this probably sounds really strange to people who aren't in you know the low waste living realm, but no, I don't buy paper towels. I don't buy napkins. I don't buy single use paper products. Um, It's so easy to start a rag drawer. You have five children. You know, maybe like they stained a pair of pants or. Uh, there's a hole in something, just cut it up, just start a rag drawer and start using those. You've re- you've given more life to the clothes and you've stopped uh, cutting down trees to make single-use paper products. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's like yeah. so easy and you're saving money. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but like you're saving, I think I did it out on my blog. You're saving a decent chunk of money every year by not buying single-use paper products. <laughs> yeah. And so going back to like what we we're talking about, like it feels like it's complicated, right? It feels like it's almost out of reach, like it's too hard. And we haven't, I haven't used paper towels in years. And I think sometimes we automatically count ourselves out of something before giving ourselves a fair chance. Like I think maybe it's because I'm stubborn. I don't know. But I think if like several years ago, somebody would have told me like, you can just use towels instead of paper towels, I would have resisted and be like, no, like too inconvenient. But it's really not. It's actually really, really simple and really, really, that's like one thing that's really doable. 
I'm not telling everybody like you can't ever buy paper products again, but if, um, okay, it's fine. You can go get a towel or go get the scissors because I can't open it right here. Can you go get the scissors? <laughs> I'll edit it out. She's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, I'm going to wait for her to come back and then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, Okay. I, I usually don't record back to back. So. I know. This is probably hard for your daughter. <laughs> yeah, I think she's totally fine. But she is. She's like, hand her more snacks. She'll keep opening them. <laughs> Do you need help? I want to go see if she needs help. I'll pause this real quick and come back. Mm. You know, marketers and advertisers, they are really darn smart and they are marketing convenience to overwhelmed and overworked moms such as you and me. They see that we're overworked and overwhelmed and they're trying to push a product towards us that is seemingly going to solve all our problems. And so I'm not saying I never buy, you know, napkins anymore. (laughs) I'm just saying that perhaps, um, perhaps the product that's pushed on us like isn't going to solve all their problems. Perhaps there's no problem that's, there's no product that's going to serve. Sorry, let me say that one more time. Perhaps there's no product that's going to solve all of our stresses and woes. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. And you're exactly right. The other thing that I feel like can be interpreted as like a barrier to entry for moms is that it's too expensive to go zero waste. But the truth is, like, if you look at it critically, it's more expensive to have to buy paper towels every single month than to reuse your towels. And so I think sometimes it's important to take a step back too and say that we, and, and acknowledge that we are being sold to. And they are really good at poking at our pain points and our struggles and making us think that that product, whatever it might be, is going to be the solution to our problem. And that's just not true. We are so much more resourceful than that. We're so much more resourceful. And oh, we can kind of go down this rabbit hole and stuff whenever <laughs> we want to. But, you know, fear sells, right? Fear and pain will sell. It will make us buy things because we're afraid of not having it. Or we will buy things because we think it's going to give us relief. And it can be anything from as simple as paper towels, right? Which my husband still loves. I don't. He does, <laughs> but it can be as simple as paper towels, right? Like just the daunting idea of having to hand wash your towels that you're cleaning up messes with can be enough to make you make decisions that are, you know, ultimately not, they're, they're kind of wasteful and that's okay. Yeah. And I would just argue, I mean, I know you have five children, like, aren't you doing laundry every day anyway? So throwing a throwing a couple rags in is yeah. that really cha- is that really upping your stress level to an, another echelon probably not cuz you're just throwing it in the laundry you're al- already doing and going back to your point about like the added cost i would say that's a valid concern like eco-friendliness is definitely marketed toward a certain consumer and that certain consumer tends to uh, live a privileged lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, if we go back to the fundamentals of how our grandparents lived, how our great grandparents lived, living eco friendly, e 
living an eco-friendlier way is also almost always, if you look at the long term, a very frugal way of living. And I can give a personal example to this. I'm trying to think of a personal example that's not like too too out there, but I'm just going to go with it. <laughs> I yes. recently replaced my plastic Gillette uh, Venus razor with, you know, you'd have to replace the heads every, I don't know, two weeks maybe mm-hmm. um, with a safety razor. And that sounds really scary. And for anybody listening, I don't suggest you start here. <laughs> I don't yeah. suggest you do this. I'm an advanced person, so I'm doing it. But it's basically a very fancy, very beautiful, very nice razor where you just replace the 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 head um, and it's metal and you can recycle it. And so there's no plastic, there's no waste. Yes, the razor had an upfront cost and the upfront cost was, I believe, $40. And, the, and that includes also the razor replacements. But think about how much you're spending on your plastic essentially you know, disposable razor over the course of a lifetime, (laughs) $40 one time, or I've done the math out and I don't have it in front of me, or thousands of dollars over the course of your shaving lifetime, you're saving money. Full stop. (laughs) Yeah, full stop. Exactly. I haven't heard of those, but I imagine this... (laughs) Very like a bleed. Like a <laughs> it's very fancy, Krista. It's so fancy. <laughs> I'm gonna have to check them out. I'm intrigued. Cause I have a I have a razor subscription. I get it like every two months. Um and they just send the blades. But I wanna see what this is. I'm I'm intrigued. <laughs> and it sounds like a simple thing that I can do that I would feel like makes a big difference. Like I just think sometimes like about like the razors specifically. Like the production behind it. I'm just like there are factories out there mass producing these things. Like, do I really need it? Like, I do want to have nice soft legs. Do I really need it? Like, am I willing to give it up? And those are hard questions for me because I do think about the impact that it has on our our resources and our planet and everything from, you know, ethical ethical labor and, and all of that too, which is another thing to consider, I think, with, you know, eco-friendly living is are the companies you're purchasing from, like, do they have good working conditions and and what does that look like? It's just a, yeah, it's just a lot. Um, but I wanted to tell you this when you were talking about the towels, cause I thought it was funny. Um, you're like, you know, you have five kids, you're doing a lot of laundry anyway. Does that load of towels like make or break anything for you? And no, actually doing that load of towels is my favorite because it's so easy. Like I, I we've got a good washer where I can do like a mini load, super hot, get them really clean. And that's my favorite load of laundry to do because it's tiny and you just have to fold them into squares and you're done. So really, I mean, it, it's not that, it's really not that difficult. Um, and if you're not ready for that, it's totally okay too. But I hope that this, like these conversations are helping you realize there's so many different ways to do this and make small changes. And it, it's really not that hard. Like even I'm getting excited, like, oh my gosh, I can do it. <laughs> um, you can. Yeah, you can. You know, I view eco minimalist living as being on a spectrum. On the one hand, you know, there's doing a little, and on the other hand, there's doing a lot, which is fitting all your trash into a mason jar and never buying anything ever again. <laughs> I am I not on that end. There, I will never <laughs> be on that end with children. 
And that's okay. I think the point, I think the purpose is like taking little steps and doing the best with regard to the season that you're in, in the place of life that you're at, and just feeling good about it. Mm-hmm. Um, like nobody expects you or me to stick all our trash in a mason jar. Like that's just inaccessible. Zero waste is inaccessible. And I just want to say that for anybody who's taking that as a reason to not do anything, there's a middle ground there. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that too. And so for all the moms listening to like any suggestions that we, you've heard us talk about on this episode, don't feel like we're saying you must do this. No. This is just brainstorming for you. Brainstorming and encouragement that if this is something that is on your list to to do and become better at, there's just so many, so many ways to do it. And then the point that you made too, that I want to bring up and then move into talking about our generational clutter is that, you know, acknowledging where we are right now. So as a society, we are in a place right now where we are surrounded by consumerism, mass production, just like stuff on demand, however much we want, whenever we want it delivered right to our door. And our grandparents, like they didn't live that way. Like I think for them, living in an eco-friendly way was more normal than it is now. I've had conversations with my grandma and she handmade all of her kids' clothes and she's watched the fashion industry change to where we don't have those skills anymore. Like we've evolved out of those skills of making our own clothes. Most of us, some of you do it. You guys are amazing. (laughs) Um, But it was just normal to be more eco-friendly, right? And not have subscriptions to our door and not have paper towels. And then the invention of the plastic straw, right? And seeing how that changed um, so much for us. But I think we we live in this time where we just haven't learned the skills of being eco-friendly. It hasn't been our norm and actually on the opposite end, we've been really trained and conditioned to rely on very not eco-friendly things. And that's where we are. That doesn't mean that's where we have to stay. Um, And then- Can I, I, sorry, can I cut in there? Yeah. Yes, I agree with everything you have to say there, 100%. You're touching on self-sufficiency. Like our generations prior did have to know certain things in order to- get by, perhaps making clothes. I know my mom and grandma, my mom even in the 80s was making our clothes. Um, but going back, it's all, it all comes down to money, right? And so companies see a way to market convenience to consumers. And so then we're buying into that. And then we're losing those generational self-sufficient skills, right? I didn't have to learn how to sew. Uh I didn't learn that skill from my mother. I didn't learn how to can my vegetables from my grandmother. So those skills are very slowly being lost as generations continue on. And that is not to our benefit, not to your benefit, not to my benefit as consumers. That is the bene- that is of the benefit to the corporations who are marketing to us. Because if I don't know how to make clothes, then I then have to purchase clothes. If I don't know how to can vegetables, then I then have to purchase <laughs> canned vegetables. And so so the loss of skills really relates to the purchasing of more stuff. There's a definite 
cause and effect relationship happening there. Mm -hmm. And the good news is that while we live in this time where we weren't taught these skills right off the bat, we also live in a time where you can literally Google or YouTube anything and learn how to do it. Not to say you need to learn how to do it all at once, um, but it's been, because it's been almost two years of me trying to figure out how to grow more of our own food. Um, and we live in the Midwest now, and so I can't do it year round outdoors. And so it's been a combination of learning how to garden outside and how to use a hydro garden so I can create things inside. But it is a full blown skill set to learn. And yeah, so just don't feel like you have to learn it all at once. If it's something that you feel called to learn, go ahead and do it if you have the time. Um, another thing to consider with that is that it, it, it can be expensive to learn these skills too. So I just want to acknowledge that for people too, is that it can be expensive to to get a sewing machine, to buy the fabric, especially with the way that the fashion industry is now and mass consumption. It just, it's a little bit of an uphill battle sometimes, but there are just, again, so many tiny little ways that you can make this happen. Um, Okay. So the second topic, talking about like older (laughs) generations, um, older generations and our grandparents and them like passing things on to us. Like, can you share with us a little bit about what to do with, with all those things that we get, whether it's like heirlooms or old furniture or anything our parents and grandparents want to pass down to us? How do we deal with all of that stuff? Oh my gosh. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So yes, you are referring to generational clutter, which is essentially the stuff that our parents, our grandparents, maybe even our aunts, uncles, great aunts, great uncles, the other generation, the older generation wants to give to us for whatever reason. It's happened to me. It happens to me every week, honestly. (laughs) It can be as nice as my mother saying, do you want this? And I say no. And then the conversation's over. But it could be, you know, my grandmother, I go to visit, she sticks something in my purse when I'm not looking. That's generational clutter. It can be my in-laws coming to visit for the weekend and stuffing their car full of stuff and then just like leave it in the garage. Like that's all generational clutter. And so with regard to managing it and dealing with it, I suggest step one is to not just accept it. Like nobody wants to be a jerk. Nobody wants to be inconsiderate. Nobody wants to start a family conflict. Nobody wants to, you know, just, just seem, just seem terrible, right? Mm -hmm. Saying no to a gift is terrible. (laughs) However, there's a fine line because when you start saying yes, uh, I have found And a lot of my listeners have found that when you start saying yes, the stuff comes like extra, more, more, more. And so I believe that step one, and we can talk about more steps if you'd like, but step one is like defining your boundaries and sticking with them. So we can, we can go more if you'd like. (laughs) Yeah. I would love to go further into this and then I can share a little or two stories about this that hopefully mm. the steps will help clarify. But when we lived in Alaska, I we lived in the house next door to my husband's parents. And she, you know, they were like, yeah. So my in-laws were right next door. <laughs> the grandparents were right next door. And they were newly empty nesters. And so my mother-in-law was like, 
replacing furniture all the time and redecorating her house and like setting up all the different bedrooms in the house to be either offices or it was just like always changing. And I was the one that got like the hand-me-downs because I was right next door. And my house was just like a hodgepodge of hand-me-downs from people. And it's because we never said no. Eventually, my husband started saying no because I'm like, dude, we don't have room for this. Like, and this does this is not fit for a house with kids. Like, <laughs> it's just not. Um, and so eventually, we were able to put up those boundaries, which was the first thing that you were saying. And then when we moved to Florida, we were we were still fairly young, young parents, and I made a good friend who she was like 65, 70 years old and basically was like my, my kid's grandparent. Like she was like, she didn't have any grandkids. She was very, very wealthy. And so when we would go over to her house, they were trying to downsize and she would give us all of this stuff, like, like a three foot ceramic giraffe because she had a safari room and like, she was like, your, your kids will love it. I'm like, okay. Thank you. Yeah. But the more I said yes to her, the more stuff she gave me and the more ridiculous it became. And so I got to a point where she would put stuff in my car and I would just drop it off at the donation center on the way home because I'm like, I can't keep taking this home. But um, and I never made a boundary with her um, because we moved. But yeah, the boundary is key. Like, what are you actually going to be willing to accept? And then what? And then what after that? (laughs) So... There's a lot there, Krista. Just oh, gonna say. <laughs> I guess, you know, I think step step zero, we already gave step one. So step zero would be understanding that different generations view stuff differently. Yeah. So boomers, I think you're a millennial like me. You look even younger than a millennial, perhaps, honestly. Mm-hmm. You look so I'm great. But, <laughs> yeah. but boomers, they have oversized attachments to stuff. They think stuff um, will catapult you into financial success or uh, will will raise your social status. There's an overemphasis on the stuff. And as millennials, we have the complete opposite view of stuff. We want to get rid of stuff. We want to let go of stuff stuff holds us down. It's not catapulting us into some other echelon of amazingness. It's not doing that. And so when our boomer relatives or friends or neighbors are giving us stuff, they're trying to help us. They're they're doing it out of love. They're they want to improve our lives somehow and they're doing that through the giving. Mm-hmm. And but there is a real tension there because the boomers want to get rid of their stuff. And then the millennials don't want it. And so I think understanding first and foremost, I think understanding goes a long way. Understanding first and foremost that like they have stuff and they're trying to help you by giving it to you. Just understanding that is number one. But number two is then how do you communicate quite clearly that you still love the person, you still respect the person you still love hanging out with the person, but you don't want their stuff. That's where the trickiness lies. And I believe that a great, solid, immovable boundary is the way you do that. So you say, you know, I love you. I don't need your armchair. (laughs) I don't need your crystal vase. It's not that I don't love you. 
I love you very much. It's just that I don't love or need your armchair or crystal vase. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And I think that that generation too was like in a weird place where their parents and their grandparents had more of that sustainable, sturdy stuff to pass on. And they were moving into that time of fast manufacturing where the quality of things they're trying to pass on just isn't there. And so for us receiving it, it feels like a burden. It feels like a burden because we already have that stuff. Like we already got it ourselves because we could afford it, right? Sometimes. Um, and and we, we already have it. And so to get it, it really does feel like a burden. And then you just did a podcast episode on this on Europe, on your show, right? Yes. Okay. I'm going to link that so that for anybody who wants to hear more about this can go listen to that um, and check out your podcast and everything else great that you have going on there. <laughs> What else? Did you want to add something else to that? I wanted to add one more thing. Something you said there really made me have this revelation, which is that if we're thinking about our grandparents, let's say, growing, well, I'm dating myself. I don't know how old you are, but my grandparents were getting married and having children in the 40s and 50s. And I don't, first of all, that was before the plastic devolution, if we're going to call it a devolution. <laughs> I love but it. that was when, you know, stuff was scarcer than it is now and more valuable than it is now. So if they're passing stuff on from, you know, their crystal face from 1950 that, you know, may be chipped, but has a lot of emotion and was made with care, if that's the only vase they had and they're giving it to you, you know, that vase then has more value. In 2022, vases are a dime a dozen. We can go to Crate and Barrel. We can go to TJ Maxx. We can get a vase for $3. And so grandma's crystal vase doesn't have the same luster, I would say. And so I think it's, I think it's really important to remember that, you know, we all view stuff differently, but um, the overconsumption aspect to 2022 living is really uh, a lens through which you and I and probably most of your listeners look at things through. And so that that's something to consider. Yeah. I think that's really good too. Um, and I have I have two contrasting experiences. One side of my family, um, like when the grandparents passed and passed on stuff, it was going through a house full of, to be frank, junk. Like I remember it being so challenging for my parents to go through that house because it was just cluttered and it was chaos and it was really difficult to find anything worth keeping. So I have that experience from one side of my family. And then I have my grandma who I told you about. Um, and my grandpa died last year and they spent a good like five-ish years going through their house and asking people, do you want this? Right? Like we have, and it wasn't a lot of stuff. It was, you know, special family things that they knew the history of like my great grandma was an artist. And so she would, you know, they went through and said, does anybody want this painting? If you don't, it's okay. I think that was a really good lesson to learn from my grandparents is they told me if you don't want it, it's okay, but here's the history of it. Here's where it was displayed. Um, 
and just asked us if we wanted those things and things like their bed frame that they built themselves. They had this really huge mustard yellow bed frame. <laughs> I think somebody took it, but like mustard yellow velvet. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I don't want that. But, and you know, they were like, if you don't want it, it's okay. But you know, this is, we handmade it together. It was our first bed in our first house. We loved it. Um, and then I took their blanket because my grandma was a quilter. Um, and I used to go to their house when my parents would work and I would nap on her bed every day in this giant blanket that she made. And so I took that, but they gave me a really good example. I think it's not the norm for most people to get that of going through their stuff and asking you, do you want this? Like, and if you don't, it's okay. I wish that more people, um, could normalize that of like offering something to you and letting you know, if you don't want it, it's totally okay. Cause it means something to me. It might not mean something to you and that's okay. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. You're really speaking to like the story behind stuff mm-hmm. with that. I think a lot of millennials don't know the stories behind yeah. the stuff. And perhaps if we did know the stories, we'd be more apt to take that quilt that was handmade, hand-sewed, hand-stitched by your grandmother, as opposed to the mass-produced, I don't know, I don't know, Macy's quilt, yeah. let's say, right? Yeah. I mean, if we, kn- if we knew the story, then we'd be more apt to treasure it. So that's a really good point there. It's It's in getting to the foundation, the reason why this is like a family why why we've all hold held on to this for so long and if there's no story then i think then that is also telling if there's no story then maybe it's just clutter yeah and i think it it, you might have to be the one like my grandma you know my grandma opened the door to say take it or don't it's okay right and because like to your point too like different things mean different things to different people yeah it might not mean something to them and i think if you are you might have to be the one to say, you know, just ask the question, what what does this mean to you? Like, why is this thing so special to you? Why is it important for you to offer it to me? And ask them that. And one of yeah. two things might happen is that they'll tell you something that changes your mind about it and you want to accept it. Or they'll tell you something that makes it easy for you to say no and set the boundary or say yes and then choose to do something with it, you know, donate it or whatever. Because it might be as as simple as, I know that's for sure what my mother-in-law was trying to do with us, help us out because she knew we were broke. You know, we're working really hard and we have three kids yeah. and we're still broke and she wanted to help us. But at a certain point, it didn't be, it, you know, it wasn't helpful. Um, so yeah, it might be a matter of having that conversation with them first and just open. I them. love that. That is <laughs> transformative for me personally. Like next time somebody asks me, it's next time somebody tries to give me something, a, a family member, an in-law, like what's, is there a story behind this perhaps yeah. is how I say it. And if the answer is yes, and I hear the story, absorb the story, the item is going to look way more attractive, right? Cause I want to preserve the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if the answer is no, and I don't, or if the answer is like, I don't know, I don't know where I got this. I don't need it. And I don't need it. Then that's going to make it also much more easier to declutter or say no to. So I love that. (laughs) Thank you. This is helpful for me too. I'm even thinking about like, you know, like hand-me-down clothes. 
because I used to have friends. We moved so that doesn't happen anymore. It's kind of sad. Um, but, you know, who would be like, I'm going to drop some clothes off on your doorstep. If you could just be like, oh, my yeah. gosh, thanks so much. What made you think of me? <laughs> right. And and they'll say, I know you have three kids. Right. And you could say something if it's if you just don't need it. That, I think, would open a conversation to be like, thanks so much for thinking of us. We're actually set on clothes, but I know this place might have a better use for it, right? Because then you know their intention, right? They wanted to help you. They want to help somebody. It doesn't have to be specifically you. And you can either choose to accept it or redirect them in another in another space without offending them. Because I agree with you. Nobody wants to feel or come across as ungrateful for receiving something. <laughs> right. And especially with regard to older relatives, they come to a point in their lives where they want to downsize or they want to, you know, just lessen the burden of the stuff, but they don't know how to do it. They might not be technologically apt. They might not know how to list something online. They might not know how to or who to give it away to Uh, They might not be ready to get let go of something without first telling the story. And so I think it's on us as listeners of decluttering podcasts to offer the support that they need. So is that technological help? Can you list it on Facebook Marketplace for your mom? Maybe your mom has a Facebook page and she seems really phenomenal at Facebook But maybe she's never listed anything on Facebook Marketplace before. So you could say to her, thank you so much, mom. But no, how about I list this on Facebook Marketplace for you? Or how about I list this in, you know, your community uh, buy nothing group? That could be, maybe she just wants to get rid of it. (laughs) And maybe you can help her do that without taking the item. Yeah. So just some thoughts there. That's so good. That's so good. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there's, I mean, there's a couple of moms too, um, in the motherhood simplified community. If Nicole is listening, I'm talking about you, <laughs> her mom, her and her mom <laughs> are in the group. Um, but like Nicole has helped her mom declutter, right? Because it's like her mom, I think sometimes we think that the generational stuff only happens in one direction, right? Like our parents just do things to us or do things for us, or our parents help us do things. It can go the other way. Like you are also an adult who has value and can potentially help, you know, older generations too. It doesn't have to be only one direction. You can help them with something as simple as tech or this wasn't a huge topic for our parents. So just sharing with them what you're doing with minimalism or decluttering or trying to be more sustainable, right? Yes. You have a lot to, you have a lot to offer is what I'm saying. (laughs) Yes. And, and one more thing that we could perhaps offer our older relatives is a listening ear. So let's say your, I don't know, your grandmother has an item that has a story behind it. She may need to offload the story. And so maybe you just listen to the story and maybe that's all your grandmother needs. I'm willing to bet if after you hear the story, you are going to want the item. That usually happens because there's stories behind stuff. Uh, But maybe grandma just needs to tell her story and then she's ready to release the thing. She just needed the story to continue on, not the thing. So we all have 
tools and support that we can offer to our older relatives, we should offer those tools and support first instead of just blindly taking the stuff and then decluttering it when they're not looking. I don't think the solution's in that. Yeah. Or building resentment because we didn't establish a boundary. We didn't open up that conversation. Oh my gosh, this is so good. (laughs) This is so good. Um, Okay. So I can hear my babies in the background. Wow. The littlest (laughs) one has woken up. Yeah, it does. Before we hang up, can you again just tell us where everybody can find you? And I will link to that. I'll link to that specific episode, the generational clutter episode that you did, as well as your show and everything else. So where can we find you? Well, Krista, thank you so much. This was so fun. Uh, My podcast is called Sustainable Minimalist. It is a, I'm going to be super braggy right now, and I'm sorry. It is a top 10 home and garden and a top 25 leisure podcast in the United States. And I'm super proud of it because it started as just my sister and my mom listening. So Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, thank so you. Exciting. <laughs> like that is so big to be on so that good. list. It's amazing. <laughs> well, thank you. Yes. Yeah. So come check me out, Sustainable Minimalist. And then the podcast morphed into a book uh, called Sustainable Minimalism. So if you like your content in book form, you can find me there. Go check out your library. You don't need another book. Check it out from the library first, Sustainable Minimalism. <laughs> I'm going to go see if you're at mine because we're going there this afternoon. I'm going to see if you're at mine. And if you're not, I'm going to request you be at ours, which you all can do as well. So <laughs> if she's not at your library, make a request. So cool. And I love that you started off with just your mom listening, <laughs> your mom and your sister, because my dad he listens to all my episodes too. So, <laughs> hey, Chris's dad. Hey, his name's Wally. <laughs> hey, Wally. Hi. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm gonna have to make sure he listens to the very end of this one. <laughs> Maybe I won't, and I'll see how much he actually listens, Dad. <laughs> oh my gosh, too funny. Okay, well, thank you for that, everybody. Thank you for hanging out with us, and we will see you around over on her show and on future episodes here. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh (laughs) Hey, before you go, I have a question to ask you. Would you please leave me a five-star review if you are listening on iTunes? It helps me grow my show and reach more moms like you who are wanting to declutter without becoming a full-blown minimalist. You love the show. I would love it if you shared something specific that you find valuable or helpful or that you just enjoy about listening to this show. It would mean the world to me if you took time out of your day to do that. And while you're at it, head over to motherhoodsimplified.com to listen to more podcast episodes or check out our Facebook group, Instagram, just to connect on social media. If you love these episodes and if you love this show, please tag me. I love to connect with you over there. Podcasts are kind of like a one-way conversation where I feel like I'm talking to you and with you. But when you tag me on social media, I feel like we can take that one step further and actually connect with each other, which is the whole point of me starting this podcast and community in the first place is to be able to connect with moms like you who are wanting to declutter without becoming a full-blown minimalist. So tag me in your Instagram stories. I'm motherhood underscore simplified. Check out the Motherhood Simplified Facebook group or head over to the site and just find even more blogs, podcasts, decluttering courses to help you continue on your decluttering journey. Thanks so much. And I'll talk to you soon.